At the end of the bed, submitted by Chris. Hi, Edie and Nick. I've been listening to your podcast for a few years now. I've decided to finally share some of my stories. Ever since I was really young, I've always been more sensitive to the paranormal. I think it's because of that that I've had the amount of experiences that I've had. The first one I'll tell you guys about happened when I was around 12. It was a couple of days after Christmas. I was watching YouTube on the new tablet I'd just gotten. It's getting pretty late, around midnight-ish, I think. I was considering going to bed. Then my bed started violently shaking. I wasn't entirely sure what was going on, but I wasn't scared yet. I got up and turned on my light, thinking maybe one of my cats got stuck under my bed. When I checked, there was nothing. The bed never stopped shaking either. I started getting more freaked out, but I didn't want to call for my parents because I didn't want to irritate them. I just stood there for a solid few minutes staring at the bed, trying to plead with whatever was shaking it to stop. When it finally did stop, I thought that was it. I could finally go to bed. As I was getting ready to crawl back into bed, the closet door slammed open, slamming into the bed. A few minutes after, it slammed shut. That's when I lost it. I screamed for my mom, tears pouring down my face. I was just frozen there in the middle of my room. As I heard my parents running down the stairs, I could see a tall, lanky black figure standing on my bed right in front of my closet. At this point, I'm completely losing it, screaming and crying for my parents. They burst through the door. My mom grabs me, making sure I was okay, but I couldn't move my gaze from the figure at my bed. As soon as my parents came into the room, I felt the energy change. I could tell it wanted to hurt them, which scared me more. I think that's when I passed out, because it's all I remember up until I woke up. When I woke up, I was on the couch. My parents were there on the phone with the family doctor. I felt like I'd been starved for days. When I tried to stand up, my parents wouldn't let me. It took an hour to convince them that I was fine to stand. When I was finally getting something to eat, I felt a weird sore stinging on my arm. I rolled my sleeve up to check. There were three deep, long scratches, gashes going from my shoulder down to my elbow. I didn't end up sleeping that night. Welcome to the True Scary Stories with Edie and Nick podcast. Uh, this is the podcast where two stand-up comedians submit... No. This is the podcast where uglies, which are our fans, submit scary or paranormal things that have happened to them. And we read them. And we do some commentary. Minimal commentary. Yeah. Uh, we're stand-up comedians. This is probably the worst one I've ever done. It's okay. It's all right. <laughs> I've probably not done we're this one this bad. As I feel like I should save myself with a grind. Grind! I go. feel like that now they'll forget how bad I just so did. So Chris submitted this to us on Instagram. I wrote that down. I wrote down Chris Insta. Yeah, Thank good you so job. much. <laughs> there it is. Thank you so much for submitting this story, Chris, on our Instagram. If you want to submit your paranormal or scary uh, encounter, as long as it's true. Or make it up. No, okay. no, no, no. <laughs> okay, no, it's got to be true. No, okay. no, no, no. Uh, we would love to hear it. You can do that through our Facebook group, the Instagram, or the website, all at True Scary Stories with Edie and Nick. That's Edie, E-D-I. That's Nick, like the normal name. <laughs> okay, all right. So you're making up for that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm okay. trying to do a little bit of radio. All right. Anyways, thank you, Chris, for submitting this. I would have freaked out. Honestly, and I would have just blamed it on the cats immediately. That's what yeah. I do. I would be like, oh, you know, the upstairs neighbor. There'll be someone who will uh, creep out of my closet and be like, yeah, and then I'd be like, oh, the neighbors are being really loud today. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you guys. I took two shots yeah. of tequila before this. 
Well, I, I'm doing uh, the podcast the old way. There you go. Remember when we used to have a little of adult beverage before? Yes. All right. I do. I'll 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 let you lead. Go ahead. Oh, I'm, I mean, you already said your part. I think. Uh, okay. Well, uh, Chris, I uh, of course you didn't tell us exactly why you think you're having these paranormal experiences. So let us know because you said you had more stories. Uh, technically, you did sleep. You said you knocked out. I you can't know, believe people do that. You passed out, so technically you did sleep. <laughs> but uh, well, she didn't. She said she just blacked out, like passed out. Oh no, no, no! But passing out is a lot different than black or than just falling asleep. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, but yeah, let us know uh, why you think you're having these paranormal activities. It'd be very interesting to hear. Can I say something else about that? Go ahead. Uh, when I was going through a lot of uh, activity during a kind of like spiritual awakening I was having for a couple of years, I actually had a problem with fainting. Whoa. Yeah, even during the day or I fainted many times at work. Uh, in like a few years, I probably fainted like 12 times mm. and actually got my license suspended for fainting too much because I fainted at the DMV, which is the worst place you can faint. I'm sure I've said it on here. So that might have something to do with you fainting because I remember when I was going through that uh, kind of seeing things and hearing things, a spiritual kind of thing that was happening to me that I was kind of seeing to both dimensions. I fainted a lot for a number of years. So I wonder if it's like the same thing. Yeah, it'd be very interesting to uh, see why why you think you're having this. It's overwhelming, honestly, when you your bed starts shaking, you know? Oh, I get overwhelmed by anything. I get overwhelmed when I uh, wear a sweatshirt and it looks like it has a stain on it. Whoa. And I I, honestly, when you were doing that story, I walked back and I did hit my knee on that same thing again. Man, you're overwhelmed. This is the last, the two times I've hit my knee on that. Okay, anyway, let's keep going. (laughs) He Did See It, written by Upset Zucchini. I've had a stalker for about four years. He was never aggressive or sent me proper threats. Stubborn as I am, I did my best to ignore him and not give him the satisfaction of showing him any fear. To be honest, after a while, I also wasn't scared anymore since he almost never came close to me. His stalking behavior mostly just consisted of sending me letters and gifts, such as photos of my own apartment building from the outside, things he dug out of my trash can, and so on. I called the police many times, but they weren't able, or really tried, to catch or identify him. About three weeks ago, I discovered the German version of Ask Me Anything on Reddit. I thought that people might want to know about what it's like to have a stalker. Since I barely use any social media, I didn't think he'd ever see it. One person even asked, does he know you're putting him on a blast on Reddit? I answered maybe. Maybe it'd make him angry, maybe he'd be turned on, don't know, don't care. Well, I know the real answer now. He did see it, and he did not like it. Like I said, he was never aggressive and never came close to me. The closest was when he sent me a picture of myself unlocking my apartment door, taken from the corner of the steps above, but I consider myself a pretty vigilant person. I assumed he hid a camera there instead of being there to take the photo himself. I think I would have noticed him if he did. I don't know how he got wind of the ask me anything, but he did. The next week was quiet, no letters, I didn't see him anywhere. Then he left me letters with printed out questions and answers from my ask me anything. He also left me a long hateful letter towards my boyfriend about an issue I had posted on the German version of the ask me any, or am I the ass? But 
<laughs> yeah, well, the ass is <laughs> You know what it His is. His letters were never hateful like that before, although he never seemed happy with my boyfriend. He wrote about how I should share the spotlight with him since I got so much attention thanks to him. A few days later, I got a gift, but he didn't leave it in my mailbox or at my car like he usually did. This time, he left it inside the apartment building right in front of my door. I didn't take it inside my apartment, but I did open it outside. It's a pretty big box, which was also unusual. It was taped shut. This is what he sent. Several zip ties, a roll of painting tape, a TV remote with most of the buttons picked off, a pack of band-aids with a few uh, ones made to look like they were used, a framed picture of me. I could tell the picture was taken a few days ago. My boyfriend was next to me, but cut out of the photo. The frame was shattered. The package was also full of glass shards, more than just what would have fallen out of the frame. They were intentionally put inside there. I called the police right away and gave it to them. They were more concerned this time. Finally, thanks. They told me they'd send patrol cars more frequently. He didn't show up or leave any letters, gifts for about another week and a half. But eight days ago, it started again. I found letters in my mailbox where he wrote about how he wasted his time on me. How I haven't been appreciating his effort. How he was wrong about me being special. Five days ago, in the morning, I left my apartment and heard a crunch sound as I stepped on my doormat. He put broken glass under it at night. I was in a hurry for work, so I was just going to make my boyfriend call the police. But then I found my car had been also vandalized. The sides were scratched, lights smashed, and the windshield had a phrase painted on it. It's time soon. I went back inside and called the cops myself. They found the same phrase on a note under the doormat. This time, they really, really took me seriously. If for some reason you're like me and just too stubborn to be afraid of a stalker, then all of this, the letters, gifts, photos, even the glass under my doormat, just really annoying and inconvenient. But my car was useless to me now and the threat scared even me. I did, however, have a dash cam in my car. It caught everything. The police said that they would take the footage as evidence. They told me they'd look into it further and promise to send more patrol cars. Then it was quiet for two more days. Then someone rang the doorbell at just after 4 a.m. My boyfriend and I were hesitant to get up. I saw blue lights outside. Just as I got up, I heard shouting, This is the police. Please open the door. They told us they were called by one of our downstairs, downstairs neighbors. The neighbor came home from his night shift and heard someone else enter the building after him. The neighbor went into his own apartment and looked through the peephole. We have motion-activated lights in the stairway, so he waited to see if they turned back on. They did. Then he saw a middle-aged man walking upstairs, so he called the police. They came and found my stalker one half floor above me on the stairs. They found a pocket knife on him. He confessed to being my stalker right away, finally caught, took four years, a provocative Reddit post, and one very vigilant and caring neighbor. But he's finally done. He's facing several charges. I've collected every single piece of evidence over the past four years. I don't know what kind of outcome I can expect, but for now, I finally got some peace. Wow, that's <laughs> great that, that she finally got some. I'm assuming it's a she. Yes. Uh, Female 28. Okay, good. Yeah, I've I've had similar situations, but with just with emails that have lasted over like the period of like 10 years. No, I got no. the same person just emailing me it's over terrible. and over and over again for 10 years. I move so frequently that I, they can't pinpoint where I live. Yeah. I hope that they're not listening to this and this doesn't like spark them up. But what do you think about this? I mean, you know, it's uh, it's interesting. She's like, I was stubborn. I just didn't want to be afraid of it and this and that. And it reminds me, uh, there was a 30 Rock episode where Jenna 
had a stalker that she loved, but she would always scream oh, yeah, if it and showed up. Oh, yeah, the stalker, up. like, dresses up. <laughs> yeah, she would always be like, ah, every time, but she loved it. And then, then he stopped stalking her, and he... Yeah, she and got, he started stalking Lazy Gaga or something. Yeah, she got really uh, weirded out by it. So, you know, it kind of reminds me of that. Like, oh, my God, a picture of me and glass of me. And now he's upset about the, uh, you told people about me. But, yeah, I mean, this is a very real thing. I've actually had some weird things happen to me uh, that scared me. You know, which I never knew if it was a stalker or somebody just trying to Mess freak me in. out. Yeah, uh, and it's happened. You know, it, random times in my life, but the fact that like he sent a package of zip ties and painting tape. You know, she knew, he knew. They both kind of liked it. Um, Wait, what? She, you mean I like mean, Jenna? Or no, you no, mean this girl? I, think I don't this girl, think she liked it. it she said that she was just like, I'm not going to let it get to me. I think you're she didn't like it when it got I'm worse. I'm starting to think this is your, that story you wrote. Or Are you the stalker? Well, she made it ask me anything. Anything. She liked the uh, attention. No, Nick. You don't, don't think know. she liked it a little no, bit? No, I don't think so. Okay, well, then she didn't like it. So she didn't like it. I definitely know the boyfriend didn't like it. I can tell you that much. Well, okay. <laughs> but uh, what a wild story. What a wild ride. That's it. That's all, all I really right, got All right, let's keep it. going. The Ghost Family, written by Al Carter. About three years ago, I worked at a pizzeria where I carried out varied tasks depending on the needs. This evening, I was in charge of deliveries. A couple and their two children, who were regular customers, ordered by phone and came to pick up their order at the restaurant. Usually, they opted for delivery, but this wasn't the first time they'd come in. As they left, I walked past them. A few minutes later, we realized that they were missing an item. We tried calling them, but there was no answer. As they were loyal customers, and I had a delivery nearby their address, I decided to drop off the missing item myself. However, when I arrived at their building, something seemed off. They lived on the ground floor of a small building, and their yard was usually filled with children's toys, but that day was empty. I rang the intercom. Through the glass door of the building, I saw an elderly woman opening the door of the flat and coming to me. She told me she had lived there for years and there was no family living there. Confused, I went back to my car and video called my colleague to make sure I wasn't going crazy. She became puzzled as I had just been and confirmed that I was at the correct address. This would have been surprising otherwise as I had delivered to them several times before and was very familiar with the neighborhood. I tried calling the customers again but still no answer. Eventually I had to move on as I was running out of time. About two weeks later they reordered as if nothing had happened. I made the delivery and everything seemed back to normal. Of course, I told them about the strange events. They were just as confused as I was and had no explanation, since they of course didn't move and no elderly woman lived with them. Moreover, they were certain that they had gone straight home after picking up their order. Since these events, we referred to them as the ghost family. I want to be the ghost family. <laughs> yeah, so this is like a glitch in the matrix, parallel mixed universe, Amazon. mixed with Amazon. <laughs> kind of thing i don't know to me this seems like they might have messed up and they just try to blame it on ghosts <laughs> <laughs> it could be that too you know that i had a solid track record and yeah, this is the oh, one wow, so no so it was an old lady there i mean oh, always yeah. saying that there's an old lady is is kind of a telltale sign that uh 
Well, everybody, because yeah, because everybody, it would be like if I said to you, yes, I'm sensing if I was a, which I am a psychic. I'm not a good one at this point, but there's an old lady here. But if I, you came in, you paid my, like, yes, an old woman passed away. You'd be like, yes, yes, my great grandmother. Right, it's like, point, duh, yes. yeah, there's always yeah. that old woman. So an old woman is a good excuse. Yeah, maybe this person. And women, I think, are more, uh, not all the time, but I think women are more open with their spirituality. I think men and women are more, they're the same kind of. Uh, ranking in spirituality, yeah. but I feel like women are more open to talk about it. So to say there's an older woman, it's like people are like, oh, my, my grandmother or my great-grandmother or this other person, they would talk about that. Yeah, it's as simple as this. Let's say you miss your college exams and they're like, what's your excuse? The best excuse is my grandma died. No, the best excuse... Ex- excuse? The best excuse! <laughs> it depends if the teacher's a male, the best excuse. It's to say you've got your lady in waiting. No, my grandma died is the <laughs> ultimate one. That's where every everyone defaults to, my grandma died. You should go first for the rest of these because I feel like I'm too giggly. Yeah, you've got a great excuse. A truck driver's strange night. On Sunday, October 28th, 1973, in the first hour of the morning, Truck driver Dinocio Yanka had a fantastic experience. Dinocio, a calm and quiet bachelor, arrived at a hospital at Bahia Blanca in a state of total amnesia. Three days later, as he regained his memory, he related his extraordinary experience. A night encounter on Route H3 with a flying saucer and beans that talked with chillidos, shrieks and screams, and who took a sample of his blood. All at once, the the road was illuminated with an intense yellow light that seemed to be about 2,000 meters distant. Because of the color, this is Dinocio, I keep saying his name weird, Dinocio is speaking now. All at once, the the road was illuminated. Because of the color, I thought that they might be the headlights of a Pugiat, I don't know what that is, and continued (laughs) with my work. A few seconds passed and I had my shoulder to the light, but it became so bright that it lit the whole area. Now the light had changed to a bluish color, similar to an electric arc welder. I tried to get up, but could not rise. I had no strength, and a strange thing, my legs would not respond. I was on my knees. I wanted to get up and look towards the woods that grew along one side of the road. Then I saw a great thing in the form of a plate suspended in the air at seven meters altitude and three persons at my shoulders looking at me. I tried once more to get up, but could not. The paralysis became total, and I could not even talk. The three beings stood looking at me for a long time, perhaps five minutes. They were two men and and a woman. The woman was between the two men. I believed it was a woman because of the form of the breast and long hair, blonde, reaching to the middle of her shoulders. The men were also blonde with shorter hair in the back. The three were about the same height, 1 meter and 70 or 75 centimeters, and dressed in the same manner. Single piece, smoky gray, coverall suits, well fitted to the figure, uh, yellow boots, long gloves, reaching to the middle of the arm, of the same color. They had no belts, nor weapons, nor helmets, nor anything else. Their faces were like ours except for high foreheads and elongated eyes, like the Japanese, and a little tilted. They talked among themselves in a language impossible for me to understand. They had no vocal inflections, but sounded like like a radio badly tuned with chirps and buzzes. One of them grabbed me by the neck of my sweater and lifted me firmly, but without violence. 
I tried to talk, but my voice would not come out. While the one held me up and another put an apparatus in the base of my index finger on the left hand. They looked closely at the apparatus. It was like a razor, but had a small tube. They applied it to me for several seconds. It did not hurt. When they left, I had two drops of blood on my finger. I believe I then passed out because I, I can't remember anything else. Dinosio could not remember when he woke. The time is calculated to be between 2 and 3 a.m. on Sunday. When he opened his eyes, he was among the rail cars in the yard of Sociedad Rural de Bahia Blanca, exactly 9 kilometers, 600 meters from the point where the encounter took place. He could not remember anything, not even his name, nor the episode, nor the, his truck, nor his home. He was nauseated and cold. He began walking toward the, the road, guided by the lights of the vehicles. Recently, on the 30th, when he awoke in a bed in the municipal hospital of Bahia Blanca, he remembered the experience in detail. His clothes were intact, folded in the drawers of the bed. He felt a desire to smoke and to know what time it was. He went to his clothes and discovered that his watch was missing, and also his cigarette lighter and cigarettes in a metal box were missing. The pockets of his pants still contained the 150,000 pesos that he carried upon leaving home. He asked about his truck, which worried him more than the UFO and its occupants. He was told that the police had found it parked on the shoulder in Via Bordeaux, some 18 kilometers from Bahia Blanca, with the jack in place and one tire ready to change. His papers in the glove compartment had not been disturbed. It's still a mystery concerning what occurred between the time Dinosio awakened among the rail cars some 10 kilometers from where the encounter took place and the time when he was treated by Dr. Ricardo Smirnov at the hospital. I, this is Dr. Ricardo. I am a forensic surgeon. I had rotating duty on Sunday the 28th at 9.30. Dr. Alto Perro at the Spanish hospital called me and said that he had a curious case. I arrived at the hospital about 10.15 and saw a young man of about 25 or 26 years of age in a state of total amnesia. He could remember nothing of his past. He did not know who he was, where he was born, who his parents were, or anything about his past. He cried continually and asked what town he was in. The doctor told me that a man had left him at the hospital after encountering him wandering in the center of the city like a robot and asking everyone he met where the police box was. At first he thought that he had been in an automobile accident. He changed this as he had no injuries. When I touched his head or came near his hand, he drew back instinctively as though it would produce pain. He had a bad headache in the right peripheral temporal area. I notified the police and had him admitted to the municipal hospital. There you go. All right. So that sounds like definitely like some alien stuff. Some alien encounter back in 73. Okay. You know what this reminded me of? Truck driver. Yeah, truck drivers. It reminded me of the birth of Noah. Okay. Because you know, I was raised in the church. Okay. I didn't go to school. I was homeschooled until high school so I could study the Bible. And I went to church three times a week. So I know a little bit about it. And it reminded me of the book uh, when they talk about the birth of Noah. Mm-hmm. So when they talk about the birth of Noah, they say that he was a very strange son mm-hmm. and that he was born, when he was born, he had full, he had a full head of hair. Mm. And that also when he opened his eyes, it basically lit up the whole room. Oh, I didn't know And it kind of sounds like... Noah was an alien? Alien. Yeah, it kind of sounds like d- that alien thing. Let me, why don't you talk and I'll, I'll try to find the exact verse. Well, you know, uh, I mean... This is a very interesting uh, kind of alien encounter that uh, has been reported on. 
I don't know what's much to say about this this okay, encounter I, I other think than I found what I'm talking about. Everything that we've kind of heard, they kind of look like humans. They speak differently than us. Uh, I thought it was funny that he was like, you know, I, I don't remember anything, and and where's my car? <laughs> He's just a real truck driver. Okay, so I think I found it in Genesis 2 through 5. Uh-huh. Noah's portrayed as a wondrous child uh, in Enoch. It pictures him with a glorious face and eyes with rays of the sun that lit up the room. He was born fully developed, and he was taken away from the hand of the midwife as he currently spoke with the Lord. Whoa. So I remember like learning about this and it was like when he opened his eyes, it was like alien eyes. They were like big and they held the galaxy and they showed the whole light. Even at night, like they had to keep his eyes away from like opening because it was like he had the universe in his eyes, I guess. And like sometimes, you know, the Bible, it, it, it kind of like expands things. But this is like it literally talks about light. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that it would be light in the dark and stuff like that when he opened his eyes and he was fully formed at birth. He had hair and everything, you know, like a, uh, like a not inhuman. Oh. <laughs> and so now I wonder if like Noah and everything that he did and the, the abilities that he had was because he was so close to the Lord, which might have also been uh, a higher species, which is also what aliens are, like the higher oh. species. So I wonder if like... The higher species and God could be, like, coincided as the same thing. Interesting. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think the aliens took his watch and his cigarette lighter and cigarettes or somebody that found him took it? I think teenage aliens or something like that. <laughs> Juvenile aliens. Yeah, but they were like, we, we can't sure do anything could. with pesos. We don't, we don't use this currency. But Yeah, we... yeah, yeah. I feel like, uh, or maybe, like, it was kind of one of those things where he owed it to his friend. And he's like, the aliens took it. Oh, oh no. Took it. <laughs> yeah. So it was just another excuse. I don't know. Sunset. Like, they might have used that. Like, when your car breaks down, you're like, for the next three days, you might be like, I can't come. I mean, and you have pictures of your car broken down, so then you use them. I don't know. Dionisio, that's the name. Dionisio. I kept saying it wrong. Do you oh. think Do you think Dionisio, I don't know, kind of liked it, though? You think he... I don't know. I was thinking about, <laughs> I was thinking about Noah. Think I think no he kind of liked it. That's why he liked it. I don't know. I'm kidding. It's from the other story. <laughs> I don't know. I, I was thinking about Noah. So no, he didn't like it. I was thinking about Enoch. No, he, he didn't like it at all. Okay. All right, let's give it a go. Alright, we are on to the last story, and with that, the last story announcement. And we have so many shows coming up in March. I'm gonna be in San Luis Obispo, which is where I went to college, my one of my favorite towns. I always have dreams that I'm back there, which I think means I need to move back there. And that is gonna be on March 1st. I'm gonna be right there with our good friend Kat Alvarado, who's on this podcast all the time. I'll be posting it on the group the uh, Instagram and on the Elmstead Snapchat website. I'll let True Scary Stories with Edie and Nick. Go ahead, Nick. I'll be at Bell Gardens March 4th at the, at the Bicycle Casino. We'll be in Vegas at the Dirty at 1230 at South Point and at the uh, Stir Crazy Comedy Club in Glendale, Arizona, March 23rd through 25th. All right. Let's get to this last story, and it is called Stay Hidden, and it's written by Hunter. My mother always made me play hide-and-seek with her. It was just her and me, and we played at nine. Each time, without failure, she told me to ignore her during the game. 
She told me that she would purposely, purposefully try to trick me. But, you know, if you really wanted to trick somebody, why would you tell them anything? We played in the park. I thought this was normal. I knew other families didn't do this, but at the same time, I thought there was nothing wrong with us doing it. I liked the park after all. During the night, the air was so fresh. It was silent, and the trees seemed larger than usual. She counted down from 100, giving me ample time to run away. My general competitiveness always made me run away and as far away as I could. I'd find some space behind many trees and I'd lie down. The park was large, but somehow my mother would always manage to walk past me at least three times in those 20 minutes. I'd always hear her speaking as she walked past me. Come out, Clara. Clara, please come out. I'm sick of this game, Clara. It's cold. I just want to go home. I ignored her. When we first started with the games, I'd been foolish enough to leave my hiding spot. My mother's face immediately turned into one of fury. She'd walk up, grab me tightly by the shoulder as she scolded me relentlessly. I told you not to listen to me, didn't I? She would drag me back to the car and ignore me until the next day when we played again. I didn't know why she did it. After I stopped listening to her during the 20 minutes of game time, it would no longer trick me. I knew she was lying and it simply seemed like a waste of breath and energy to keep calling out for me. She got angry when she found me too. The park was a huge place and if she hid somewhere I would never find her but somehow my mother was excellent at tracking me down. It was like she sniffed me and hunted me down. Instead of getting angry at me she got disappointed. She'd sigh loudly and her eyes would tear up before she dejectedly walked to the car. That gave me the worst feeling ever, filling me with inadequacy. One time she found me only after two minutes and she broke down sobbing. I didn't get it. I felt a huge urge to win. I needed it. So I started to get creative. I hid myself in the bushes. I changed my clothing to be more green and black and generally more inconspicuous. I got high up in the trees so it would be difficult to see me from the ground. I learned how to stay still, really, really still. And when I won, my mother would give me a big smile. It wasn't a smile of happiness or a smile of pleasure. It was more of a, a relieved smile, but I felt so proud when I saw it. We'd go home and I'd have an easy time falling asleep. Then my father came. One day when I came back from school, I saw him talking to my mother. He was almost never home. Actually, I'd seen him twice in my entire life. And my mother never really spoke about him. He was really just a stranger to me. I noticed the expression on my mother's face immediately. It was pale, white, shaking, eyes wide. I couldn't hear what he was saying. So, as I got closer in towards them, of course their conversation stopped just as I did it. While my father stopped speaking, the expression on my mother stayed the same. He turned to me and smiled in a wolfish way. It made me recoil away with disgust. He sneered. He sneered. I thought it was normal. That was how my classmates acted after all. Later that same day, when my father was off in the toilet, my mother got close to me and whispered, Don't come out. Not even after 20 minutes. My father got really energetic right before bedtime. I thought we'd skip the whole hide-and-seek thing. My mom looked really sick, and looking at the clock, she said, Let's take a trip to the park. I immediately noticed that she didn't mention hide-and-seek. My father asked, well, Why? Why Why not? Get some fresh air, maybe. He answered, Fine. I like him active anyway. What do you mean by that? My mom told me to change with a certain look, and I caught what she meant immediately. Put on hiding clothes. After doing it, we got into the car and we drove to the park. My mother was silent the entire way, but my father hummed. We walked together in the park for a while, my dad mumbling about work. I don't remember much of it. 
Honestly, it didn't sound like any job I'd ever heard of. Then suddenly, my mother pointed at the tree in the distance. I noticed that it was the same tree she'd found me hiding behind the last time she caught me. These trees get so old, then they die. It's a shame they're stuck in place, unable to get away from the virus. She was saying, get away and hide. My dad said, death is the way of all living things. No need to fear it. I said, I think I saw a squirrel in that tree. I'm going to go check it out. I disappeared into the forest. I'd grown well acquainted to. I got behind a hill before changing direction and moving away. I made sure to try and move on the spots that wouldn't leave a mark. I needed to get far away before they noticed something was up. I thought about climbing a tree and hiding there, or about diving into a couple of bushes. Trees were only effective if people didn't check. Bushes were great, but you'd have a small if no view of your surroundings. I chose the bushes, jumping into them and trying to control my breath. After a couple of minutes, I heard my parents walking in the distance. My dad shouted, Clara, where are you, sweetheart? If you're hurt, please say something and we'll help. My mother said, Clara, Clara, can you hear me, darling? My heart started beating faster. I knew for a fact that I shouldn't leave the bushes. That was the absolute worst thing that could happen. I kept my breathing under check as they moved further and further away from me. Then they came back. Please, Clara, your dad isn't dangerous. Please come out. My dad said, Clara, please, I need to get going soon. Please come out. Then my mom said, Clara, where are you? My dad said, stop this silly nonsense. Their voices eventually faded out. I stayed there in the same position for nearly an hour. My body started to ache and I could feel insects crawling around on the back of my legs. I really wanted to leave this position. I heard a stick snap in the distance. It came from behind me. I hadn't heard their voices at all. Had they just stopped speaking? It terrified me. I felt like I needed to turn around and get a view, but I knew that would give me away. Clara, stop with this nonsense, come out. I was entirely silent. Clara, please come out. My mom's voice was turning more and more desperate, more guttural. Fortunately, it was what seemed to be around 70 meters away from me, but she was approaching. My mom said, Clara, I'm getting tired. I just want to go home, eat, and sleep. I stayed silent as the voice grew louder. She was approaching me. I know you're in the area. It's only a moment of time before I find you. I will skin you. I'll start with your forearms, peeling off your skin with a dull knife, just like peeling back cheese. There'll be lots of blood and screaming. I won't be able to focus, but that's all right. I can always switch to your other arm. My mom came closer. You won't like it. I certainly wouldn't, but I'm not as stupid and disgusting as you are, Clara. No, I'm glad I'm not a creature of filth like you. The only good you can serve is by being in my belly, by fueling me. I'll find you. The voice is only 20 meters away. You'll regret not coming out. 10 meters. You know, I don't eat the bones. They get stuck in my throat, but I can't leave them. I'll probably take them home with me and suck on them. They'll have a good taste, you know. It'll be perfect. Two meters. She giggled. Did she find me? Oh, no. I debated whether I should stay still and hope for the best or if I should look back. My fear was killing me, and it had to know. But I know looking would make noise. No, I had to stay still. My mom said, I know where you are. But then she began walking away from my spot. I'll get you and I'll suck on your eyeballs before swallowing them. They're better whole. They're always wet and squishy. If not, there's always blood. Oh, a mouthful of warm blood. Is, is there a better feeling? I stayed silent for that entire night, 
silent and still, even after I was certain that they had gone away. It was only when the sun was above me and I could hear other children that I stood up. One child jumped back and shrieked. He must have gotten properly terrified. Then I made my way back home. Dad wasn't there, but my mom was. She hugged me. What the heck? Oh, no. This is why I don't like to play hide and go seek. Every time I play hide and go seek, I feel like this. Even if they aren't saying these things, I'm like, man, the, the, I try not to breathe. I just like feel like the craziest, like scariest, like it feels like a dream when you're trying to hide from somebody or run away from somebody. I don't like hide and seek. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I don't recommend it. What do you think? Uh, scary little story. Yeah, I mean, hide and seek. I, I don't remember playing hide and seek that much. I don't know. Was it her mom? That's the thing, because her it's mom kept like telling a, her just hide and don't listen to me. That's what I'm saying. Who knows? Who was the dad? She uh, never I saw like her dad. like a goat man or like maybe just like, it could have even just been like another human pretending. To be I the mom? Oh, that's like so messed up. Maybe it was a doppelganger that was <gasps> Trying to be the uh, number one ganger? Yeah. <laughs> Not the doppelganger. Yeah, because her mom kept saying don't come out no matter how much I say, so... She listened to her dad, luckily. This reminds me so many times of, like, when I played hide-and-seek with, like, drunk people. Oh, and no. And they've been so scared. <laughs> and oh, I'm like, no. when they've been close, I'm like, should I run away or is, like, this just a game? Yeah. I just don't like hide-and-seek or I don't like, yeah, I don't like hide-and-seek. drunk people will take it too far. It's just they'll too scary, They'll find you and then they'll, man. like, punch you. No, and, like, uh, I've, I feel like I've told this story, but it's, like, not, I've not told it very well. But I used to live, like, in an apartment with, like, a couple. It was like a... Ugh, it's so scary to tell. It was like a month-by-month um, -month apartment, and it was mm -hmm. furnished. And the guy who was actually the uh, person who fixed everything, he was in a five-hour energy commercial. Okay. Anyway, so he was dating this girl, and she liked to drink a lot, but she would get, like, very mean when she drank. And one time, he would kind of go to bed before... He'd be like, come to bed, and she'd be like, no. And so we all stayed up with her, and we were drinking, and we decided uh, to play hide-and-seek, and the way she kind of acted like that. Oh, no. Like when she was trying to find us, like she said scary things that like I didn't think were like things she would regularly say. Yeah. And like actually when she was saying stuff, she was like, when I find you guys, I'm going to kill you, and stuff like that. And, like, it was so random because we were all just playing, like, through the apartments. And we were all, like, they were all, like, in their 30s or whatever. And one of the guys was in his 60s. And me and my uh, boyfriend at the time were in our early 20s. But anyways, I remember, like, hearing her breathing. And I was hiding behind a door. And she walked by. And she was like, I'm going to, when I find you guys, I'm going to kill you. And I was like, oh, no. And she was like, I'll hide your bodies. No and I was like, what? And I remember just, like, feeling like a dream. Yeah. Like when you're hiding from someone or you're like running from someone. Mm -hmm. I remember like feeling that feeling that that like feeling you get in a dream when you're like that anxiety when someone's trying to like get you. And so I just stood there and I didn't say anything. I remember like kind of like this. Ugh, it was so scary. That's like why I try not to talk about it in here. But like kind of like in the story where she was, you tried to slow your breathing so they don't hear you breathing. Yeah. And I remember her coming in and saying all that stuff and it was like dark. And I remember actually getting so scared like it wasn't a game anymore. Yeah. And I didn't know where the other people were hiding and I remember saying all that stuff. And like, I remember like being like, oh, this is serious now. 
and like trying to stop breathing behind the door. And yeah. I remember her like being right there and be, her me being like, she's gonna find me, she's gonna find me. Mm-hmm. And she was also like from Czechoslovakia, so she was like, <laughs> she had oh, this no. like thick accent. It was also like, it was like a, just like a whole like thing. I couldn't really, she had a very thick accent, so it was like hard to understand her too. But anyways, I remember being like, she's gonna find me and she's gonna hurt me and I don't know where the other people are. But anyway, so I tried to like stop breathing and I remember she walked out and then like maybe like 30 minutes later, all of us found each other who was hiding and she had passed out on the floor. Oh man. <laughs> she had passed out. It was... I was but worried. I remember how scary it was. It was honestly one of the most scary moments of my life. I was worried this game was still going on. That would be awful. That yeah, would be awful. She's still but looking no, she for you. had passed out like in... Because it was like one of those places that there were like open rooms. And since her boyfriend was the maintenance person, she had all the keys to the room. Oh, no. And they were all furnished. And so we like walked by and we seen the light on and we looked in there. She was laying on the floor and she had been trying to make margaritas and she never found any of us. But I remember it was so scary because she was like, I'm going to, what if I find you? I'm going to kill you. And I was oh, like, whoa, no. whoa, whoa, whoa. But I, yeah, it was very scary. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, I don't think you've really ever scared. told that story. I don't think I have either because, like, I didn't know how to tell it to, like, portray how, like, actually scared I was. Like, in a dream when you're running or hiding from someone. Like, that's how I felt. And I literally, for, like, a good minute when she was, like, right by me, thought that she might kill me. And she was saying she would. And so it was just, like, it was very messed up. And we were all very scared. <laughs> it was very scary. I'm not going to lie to you. It was very scary. Anyway, so thank you for listening. (laughs) I don't even know what to say about it. It was so scary. And that's not even like the whole part. She was naked. No. (laughs) She was naked and she was on the floor. And there was a margarita maker right by next to her and we should have known because her the maintenance guy her boyfriend who was in the five hour energy commercial he was like she gets too crazy i'm gonna leave and he went to bed and he left us with her and she was like let's play hide and seek (laughs) she couldn't find any of us but honestly it was one of the scary it reminded me a lot of this anyways and it was one of the scariest she got too crazy and like i that's why i feel like i've tried to tell this story before but i couldn't because it was so scary for me. I don't think you've ever heard me tell that, right? No. It was very scary for me. And then, like, yeah, we walked by this window and she was naked, like, trying to make margaritas. That's the one deterrent for murderers, margaritas. <laughs> she was just like, it's a blank room, like another hotel. <laughs> she had all the keys. Anyway, it Whoa. was one of the scariest moments of my life. Well, she I was think... right there, like behind. She was like, I was hiding behind the door, you know, when the doors open, uh-huh. and you're like in that little crack. And she like walked in. She's like, I know you're in here. Oh no! <laughs> she's like, I'm gonna kill you. No one that would ever scary. know. She's like, No one would ever find your body. No one would care. Like, and I was right there. I was like, She knows I'm here. And I tried to stop breathing, and I was like, trying to slow my breathing. I was shaking, and I thought she knew I was there, but apparently she didn't. She looked. But it was literally like any scary movie that you've ever seen. That's terrifying. It was honestly the scariest moment, one of the scariest moments of my life. Because I was like, I don't know where the other people are. Yeah. Like, I don't know where they're hiding. Because this was just supposed to be a fun game. But I, like, even her own like mate 
knew that she gets too crazy and he bailed out. Yep. And he warned us too, and we knew she was like that. But we thought it would, yeah, yeah, it was not. Thought you could handle it. <laughs> we could not. Well, I couldn't handle it alone because I didn't know she was going to say all that stuff. She was like telling, she was like, I could I could kill you and hide your body. No one ever looked for you and stuff like that. And I was like, she knows I'm here. But then she just left and I guess she passed out naked making margaritas in someone else's room. Okay. What do you think of this story? I think it's, uh, <laughs> I think I am befuddled. By all I want to know what she's doing. <laughs> These days. No, because then she's going to be like, oh, I found you. No, she's just And apparently when she was looking for us, she was naked. No, yeah, well, there the you go. Time. The whole time looking for y'all naked. And I was behind the door. <laughs> and my other friends were like, yeah, she came to bed too. She was saying that stuff. Scary. She never found any of us. It was actually like the nightmare situation. But no, she never found any of us. And then she just went to make margaritas apparently on her own. All right. <laughs> All right, you guys. Well, that was the story I've been trying to tell for so long. I never knew how to tell it because it was... I never knew how to capture how scary it was. Because like, and I, that's why I don't like to play hide and seek nowadays. Or I never really liked it because I get that anxiety that I'm like... The anxiety you get from the dream when people are chasing you, chasing you. anyway. But I never <laughs> knew how to portray it as how scary it actually was to be playing in this, like, apartment complex with, that was fully furnished that you had all the keys to. That, like, you you could just go in any door or anything like that. Yeah, like, yeah. several hundred apartments and someone's looking for you like that. I've never been able to portray how actually scary it was, but I think I actually did do it today. You did a good job. There you <laughs> I go. Think I, and I've been trying to unload that for a while, but it was one of the scariest experiences. All right. Yeah, well, I hope go. she's doing well. <laughs> I hope she's doing well, whatever she was. And I hope she drank those margaritas that she made. All right. And I hope she didn't kill anybody <laughs> like she said she wanted to. Well, all right, guys. Well, there you go. Leave a leave a five-star review. <laughs> thank you for that very weird episode of Tree Scary Stories. Yeah, thank you for listening. And we'll, you do the rest. I'll catch you on the next time. Bye, everybody. No, no, that's all the rest. Send us your scary story. Do it on the website, the Instagram, or the Facebook. All the Tree Scary Stories with Lee and Nick. And uh, give us five stars because that really helps with the trauma. There you go. <laughs> we love you guys. We'll see you on the everywhere. Bye.